to Away Days, presented by the Inter-Miami Podcast. The sounds are a little bit different today, because our co-host Callie can't join us today. So, as usual, I'm Brandon, and I'm joined today by the legend himself, Mr. Traveler. Yeah, man, welcome. We're glad to have you here. You know, you guys all know him as, you know, an inner Miami expert, but he's about to show you he's more than just that. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of soccer. So if it's not inner Miami, I'm watching typically everything else. We all know he's he's always watching the Indiana Vassalet play now. He watches every Seven, minute. The 17 minutes he did play. I thought he was going to play more than that. I'm a little disappointed. An injury to Indy that this early in the season just breaks my it hurts, heart, man. It hurts, <laughs> but you know, in today's episode, we're going to cover all the Week One action because MLS is back, baby. We're going through all the Week One action. We'll give you guys a little preview of what we're looking at because we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next week, as far as MLS is concerned with some really great Week 2 matchups as well as CCL starting up next week. Um, so, you know, we're just going to go ahead and we'll go through each game. We'll jump in and then kind of give you what we saw. Um, I'll kick it off and and start off with Nashville versus NYCFC. Um, you know, NYCFC is in a rebuild. You know, we really didn't expect a whole lot out of them. Um, you know, losing a lot of great players. Tati being first amongst them. Um, you know, in this game against Nashville, coming back to the East, they looked they looked weak like we would expect. Um, you know, kind of tying it back to Inter-Miami. Our, uh, our friend Pella Messi had a real, real rough game. He probably had several of the best looks. I think he had three or four really good shots on goal, and he, he botched them. He didn't even really challenge um, Joe Willis there. Um, Zimmerman scored from a set piece for the first goal of the season. So you open up the scoring sheet. And if you guys haven't seen it, Annie Mukhtar's step over movement in the box uh, to set up uh, Shuffleberg for his second goal, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, he, normally he's doing it with, with his, his foot himself, but this time he dumped it off and it was awesome. Really did a great job. And, you know, from... I expected Nashville to put a couple more on them, but I think Nashville had a strong showing, uh, got the three points out of there. And, you know, NYCFC started out the season in rough form. So we'll see what the rest of the season holds for them. Um, another thing about this game, if you haven't checked it out, Johnny Cash and June Carter's son opened up the, the game and they have it on MLS TV. They've got the the opening with him shredding the guitar. is pretty cool to see. Well, not to mention Walker Zimmerman's Johnny Cash celebration. Yeah, that was pretty cool, too. That was pretty cool. But now on to the next game, Atlanta against San Jose. A match that many Atlanta fans thought, you know, we have a shot in this match, you know, even without their new DP signing. Uh, Gregorio, Gregor Kinkis, whatever his name is. I just call him Gio. (laughs) Gio, GG. Uh, but then Atlanta came out looking bad. I mean, 
Atlanta had a bunch of shots, but I believe only three of them were from inside the area. And not to mention their DP winger, Luis Aruhu, missed a penalty, probably one of the worst penalties I've seen in a long time. And for 90 minutes out of this match, Atlanta looked flat. They looked like they lacked creativity, but their one star, Tiago Almada, with just an absolute masterpiece of scoring two late goals, probably best goals of the week and potentially of the season already, to win this game at the very death, the 90th plus eight minutes for Atlanta. Yeah, I. if you haven't seen those goals, you, you're not watching MLS. Those were amazing. I, I He single-handedly won them that game, and, you know, kind of to your point, I didn't think that they would – they would struggle with San Jose. I thought San Jose was was going to be an easy walk for them, but guess not. But hop, hopping into our next matchup, Charlotte versus uh, New England. So this one was, I, I, I expected it to be a bit of a slower game. Um, they started, it was a very slow first half. Um, you know, trying to watch through the whole game, you know, it, it hurts me to see that, to see all those fans there in Charlotte, you know, they break the attendance records. They've got all these hundreds of thousands of fans there or tens of thousands of fans there. And, you know, the team just never seems to get in gear and really like push and they're playing very defensive minded, you know, that's just the system they've set up in. But, you know, in the second half, each team kind of started coming into the, into their own and, they just couldn't couldn't convert on chances. A lot of missed opportunities. Some really good, like, if these goals had gone in, they may have been, like, you know, goals of the week contenders there. But, um, you know, an exciting finish. Henry Kessler finished it in the 89th minute with a winner off a deflected ball by the Charlotte defense. Um, their defense had closed out on the play. It looked like they had taken care of it, but the ball fell right to Kessler, and he just knocked it right in and closed them out uh, to give um, to give New England the win. So, you know, good good game if you like defensive uh, soccer. Um, wasn't my favorite game of the week, but, uh, you know, I, I think New England starts off pretty well considering they looked very rusty to start. Uh, so we'll see if they can build on that. And, and I think Charlotte is a bit unfortunate to not come away with the draw there because I thought they had some good defensive showings. Um, you know, they just signed a DP number nine, so he's going to take some time to settle in. So, you know, I expect Charlotte, once they figure out the attacking side of the ball, I think they'll probably have a better rest of the season. Well, and as a fan of young homegrown players, uh, I think his name is Noel Buck. No buck. Mm. 17 years old, went 90 minutes for the Revs and looked absolutely spectacular. I mean, he may be this season's breakout kid, and he looked 100% in place and didn't play a single ball out of place all match. Yeah, I agree. He was he was fun to watch. I mean, you know, the scoreline... I would say if you want to go back and rewatch, don't watch the first half. The second half, though, was pretty exciting. And, and Buck 
he looks to be a real deal. So we'll see. Yeah. And now on to our next game, Cincy against Houston, a game of a team that many have pegged as wooden spoon contenders against one that quite a few are pegging as potential Eastern top of the East or even supporter shield contenders in Cincinnati. And this game, great first 50 minutes after that, it became kind of boring outside of a couple of opportunities. But since he comes out with their new signing from last season, Sergio Santos, only 20 minutes in to give them the lead. But right at the end of the first half, they surrender that lead with an awfully nice ball from DP Hector Herrera. But Houston has shown that they're a team going through a rebuild, and it only took a few minutes into the second half for since he regained the lead and never let go. And this Cincy team has that ability this year to be dangerous and create chances. And this is a perfect, you know, kind of example of that game where they created chances, they capitalize on those chances. And they're strong enough at the back to sit back and defend for the rest of the match. Yeah, I think Cincy looked really good. I think of all the contenders, um, you know, I I think they probably had the best start. You know, we'll talk about Philly and and that game coming up. Um, I think Philly's scoreline was a little flattering because I think those two penalties were a little soft. But, um, you know, I think Cincy started off great and Houston started off how we probably all expected them to. But, you know, moving on to to what I had thought was probably going to be one of the most lopsided matchups of the weekend, DC United versus Toronto. Um, you know, this this ended up being I think one of the higher scoring games of the weekend combined. Um, you know, I really didn't expect that. You know, um it's it opened up with uh Mateus Click opening everything up for DC United with a real, a real rocket from outside the box, a great goal to go back and check in the 13th minute. Um, you know, then six, then it was quiet till the 65th minute. After that, if you just want to watch a little bit of the game, start at the 65th minute with the penalty uh, that was given to Berdushi and he, he knocked it home and equalized. Then in the 83rd minute, Mark Anthony K scores, um, from a great, um, a great second attempt after Tyler Miller makes a great save for DC United to put Toronto ahead. Uh, then Ben Teke goes ahead and, and you know, kind of shows us why DC United bought him and shows the attacking prowess that he can bring to the table. And he goes ahead and he scores a really nice header right in front of the, right in front of the goal. Um, and then, you know, DC wins it literally on the last second. An eighty or a ninety plus eight uh, minute uh, winner from uh, Coup de Pietro. Yeah, I can't say his name. Di Pietro, um, a really good goal as well. So you know, the real interesting thing um, is I didn't expect DC to be able to attack so well. Um, both teams had a great, great um, offensive firepower in this game. Defenses both struggled. Uh, this score line could have been much higher. Um, you know, they they just didn't 
didn't bring their A game as far as defending. And the Sean Johnson era in Toronto got off to a pretty pretty rocky start because um, you know, one or two of those goals I think he probably could have got a hand on and he probably should have saved. And, you know, we're talking about young players. DC United started um started young, I believe he's sixteen years old or seventeen years old. No, he's sixteen. Um Matai Atkins Boney. He uh he plays center back. He's a young again, sixteen years old, and he started. He he played seventy eight minutes last night, or I'm sorry, this week, and he he really did a great job. Uh, looks like there's a lot of potential there. You know, even though DC's defense looks shaky, um, I think he's one they can build around, and, and they should be looking to for the future there. Well, and if this match tells you anything about the two concerns of these teams that many had. It was, they have the firepower up front, you know. Toronto has Insigne, Bernardeschi, uh, multiple powerful weapons up front, but Toronto has no defense. They haven't done much to shore up their defense. And DC's kind of the same story. You know, they shored up their midfield with uh, Matthias Creek. And, you know, they have been Teke and the horrible man himself, Taxi Funtas. But they also have done nothing to shore up their defense. There's very little reason, despite his promise, that DC should have been starting a 16-year-old at center back week one. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, You know, that that probably wasn't a great move and and shows their lack of depth and preparation for the season. But, um, you know, good win for DC. Good way to start off the season because, um, you know, they, they've been in it for a couple of years. So hopefully Rooney can get them on track and, and, you know, maybe not have them contending for the wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. And, and now we move on to our hometown match, Inter-Miami against Montreal. A match that was very, if you looked at the betting lines beforehand, kind of very even. Oh, Bet makers didn't really think that either team looked too good going into this match. And it ended up being one that, for the most part, Miami dominated. They took advantage of their chances. Uh, they started, you know, 41st minute on a great corner by Jean Malta that deflects off the head of Gregory and finds Sergey Kristoff at the back post to give them the lead and give them that breathing room going into halftime. And then from there, Miami made some changes. They brought on Bryce Duke, Ariel Lasseter, and the new homegrown and South Florida native, Shandir Borgelin. And Shandir Borgelin, his first ever MLS match, less than 10 minutes into his appearance, goes ahead and scores the insurance goal and... Miami wins this match 2 to nothing, and quite honestly looked better than the team that last year was second place in the East. Oh, yeah. I thought, um, you know, you and I were both lucky enough to be there, and, you know, outside of the crowd being fantastic, I, I, I almost couldn't believe what we were watching because, you know, to your point, the team has completely changed over from where it was last year, and you know, seeing us play such attacking uh, soccer was great. 
Um, you know, I think Montreal had some moments where they could have put some pressure on us. Um, you know, but I, I think their defense really worried me if I was a Montreal fan, especially because, you know, we've got this young guy, Borgelin, coming in and he bossed those center backs around for the time he was on the field. Like he made them look really bad. And, you know, I don't know yet because we have such a small sample size if that speaks to how good he actually is or if that speaks to how bad Montreal's defense may have fallen off. So, um, you know, always glad to get that win under our belts, especially considering we've never won our home opener. But, um, you know, hopefully good things for the future. I'd love to see Campania back soon. Yeah, and, you know, it, it just speaks to kind of how different both of these teams are. Montreal lost a bunch of key pieces this offseason. And while Miami arguably did too, and Alejandro Pazuelo and Gonzalo Higuain, Miami did a better job of adding back to those pieces. Montreal struggled to do that. And it showed off with two new additions scoring in situations that, honestly, for Miami last year, they wouldn't have scored. While Montreal struggled to really create much offensively outside of a few opportunities that were stopped by Drake Callender, Montreal really struggled to get anything going in the offensive third. So a lot to build on here for Miami and for Montreal, a lot to work on as they head into a week week two match against a very stunned Austin FC. Yeah, I think that could be uh I think that could be an interesting matchup. Especially with uh the more time that these Montreal players get in Lasada systems, him being new, I think they'll they'll settle and they'll probably be alright. I saw him making the playoffs, but um hopefully they're better than what we saw and, and that just means we're better than what what our record indicates right now but you know jumping in uh to the one game I did not want to watch but watched only for one reason because of Lewis Morgan the or- Orlando New York Red Bull game um you know I I think that this game um this is probably one of the games that I thought was it was a little bit cruel to the Red Bulls. Um, I thought they looked the better better team for most of the game. Lewis Morgan had probably four or five really good shots on goal. And if it wasn't for Galici between those sticks, I think New York Red Bulls probably would have put two or three in the back of the net and probably would have won this pretty easily. Galici really bailed them out and really had an outstanding performance. Um, you know, far be it from me to praise an Orlando City player too much, but you know, he he really had a great game. Um, the only goal of the game was a 52nd or 56 minute um handball penalty, which uh Fagundo Torres converted. And um, you know, outside of that, Orlando had one or two other chances in the game, but really, New York Red Bulls missed a lot of really good opportunities, so you know. I think there's 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 cause for hope as for, if you're a Red Bulls fan. I think um, there's a lot of stuff to build on, especially you know Lewis Morgan getting open so much and creating opportunities for himself was pretty good, and and the co- team cohesion was also really nice. Um, 
I was a little concerned about how Red Bull's defense would respond with having lost Aaron Long, who had anchored that defense for the last six years, but they didn't seem to really miss him a whole lot. Um, Again, Orlando really just didn't get enough or get many, many opportunities. So, you know, um, I I think Orlando as well, um, maybe even though they won this, I, I don't know that they come out looking as good as, a lot of people are predicting a lot of the so-called experts who say they're going to be like number two in the East, number three in the East. I don't think they came out looking like that. Yeah. Very much a game where the scoreline doesn't reflect what the game should have been. Orlando with only one shot on target all match. And that being the penalty that was converted while New York Red Bulls had four shots on target, 14 shots in total and overall looked like the better team against an Orlando side that on the offensive side of the ball added a lot of firepower and yet still didn't generate anything. So a very concerning match for Orlando because you can't go out and spend the money they did on adding talent and only have one shot on goal, and that being from a penalty. And the Red Bulls, you know, Lewis Morgan looked to, you know, get open. They were missing their new number nine, who I believe is still out with visa issues. And uh, honestly, if they had their new number nine, I, I would have seen uh, the New York Red Bulls running away with this match. Yeah, absolutely. And moving on to Columbus against Philly, a game that. I I don't rate as highly as a lot of people. Uh, Columbus came out and in the first half kind of shocked Philly by getting a early goal. Uh, it was eventually credited to Jacob Klesnes as an own goal. But Philly then really struggled for the first half to create anything. And it took a uh, injury time penalty in the first half stoppage time for Philly to equalize. And then they came out in the second half and just kind of did what Philly does with oh, their absolutely fantastic head coach in, what is his name? And Jim Curtin and made all of these fantastic changes at the half and came out in the second half and just absolutely shut down Columbus, scored three straight goals to win this four to one. And it kind of reflected what Philly can be this year, where they didn't make a lot of changes from last season in terms of their roster, and they're flexible. They can go down in a game and make some halftime tweaks, and they come out a completely different side. So Philly looks dangerous. I think the scoreline's flattering to them. I think one, if not both, of their penalties were soft penalties. You know, I think a 2-1 scoreline is you know, definitely a lot more accurate. But even regardless of that, Philly showed that they can turn a game on its head without hesitation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I agree with your assessment that it should have been probably a 2-1 scoreline. I thought those two penalties were a little bit soft, but... You know, what really impressed me out of this game was, um, and you mentioned, is 
the way the players came out of the locker room and, and Jim Curtin completely changed the system on, on Columbus and, and Columbus after that point, after that change really didn't know how to respond to that. And, you know, that, that should be worrying to MLS. And, you know, as an inter Miami fan, I'm a little worried about that coming up uh, this weekend because, you know, I don't know many teams that are that deep that can respond in that way and just completely turn a game over. So, you know, I think Philly showed why they're probably the favorites to win the to win something this year. And I think they can probably pick what they want to focus on. But um, I, I do think it was a little bit flattering to Philly because I think Columbus, had they converted some of the chances that they had, especially in the first half, they could have put Philly under a lot more pressure. And if Philly went down, Philly could have easily gone down 3-0 going into the half with some of the chances that were there. So, you know, I think, I think you're spot on there. Um, you know, moving on to what, what we all assume is going can be another contender for the cup this year, Austin versus St. Louis. Um, you know, what a, what a way to come into the league for St. Louis, knocking off one of the top contenders in the, in the league. Um, you know, I, I didn't see this one coming. This is going to go down as my biggest surprise of the weekend. Um, you know, first goal in St. Louis's history scored by Tim Parker on in the 24th minute opens it up, opens the scoring up and really stuns Austin. Um, you know, I thought St. Louis had a great first half. They really looked pretty good. Uh, but Austin came roaring back with Jerusi had a beautiful chip over the goalkeeper right before halftime that equalized the game. Um, you know, that's a goal to go back and check out um, because it, it, it really was really awesome. Um, you know, then Gallagher goes ahead and puts Austin up in the 72nd minute. Um, after that point, it kind of looked like St. Louis was going to go flat, but then um, Austin really helped him out. You know, Keller and the Austin defender makes an incredible assist right to his former teammate, Jared Shroud, to go ahead and let him equalize for St. Louis and score right in front of his home or his uh, former club uh, supporters fans. If you haven't seen that pass, you got to go back and look at it. it. It could go down as the assist of the week. It was such a terrible back pass. He passed it right to Shroud, and Shroud took care of the rest. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking there. But uh, Klaus uh, goes ahead. The uh, Brazilian from, from Germany goes ahead and scores the winner in the 86th minute to give St. Louis their first um, their first goal in, or first win in MLS in their first try. And again, another really good, really good finish there. He finishes with the outside of his his foot while he's almost falling. Uh, so again, I, I think if you're going to go back and check any highlights out or look at any goals, Austin, St. Louis is a good one to look at. A lot of great goals, but you know, hats off to St. Louis for starting out with a win. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you know I'm a little jealous because you know as a former um, you know, expansion team. I wish we would have started out with a win like that, but, uh, you know, I think St. Louis is going to be a great team. Um, one thing that I think is concerning is, you know, for a DP at their goalkeeper spot, I thought Berkey had a terrible game. 
I thought he probably could have stopped one of the other goals that went in pretty easily. And he just kind of wasn't, he got caught sleeping, but um, you know, we'll see what, what the season holds for St. Louis. And I, you know, I, I'm not worried about Austin. I think they'll bounce back and, you know, they've got some great, great talent that's going to help them push back through the rest of the season. Yeah. I feel differently about Austin. I feel like Austin leaves this match quite worried. Uh, Kip Keller, who entered the match in the 11th minute, he didn't start. Uh, he came in for the injured Julio Cascante, who Austin announced today is out eight weeks. And he was beat for all three goals. All three goals fall squarely on the shoulders of Kip Keller. Uh, Tim Parker beat him in the air for the first goal. Jared Stroud, you can argue if it was unsportsmanlike or not, I think that it was a bit of a shitty thing for him to do. Uh, he very clearly called for the ball, you know, knowing that Kip Keller was a former teammate and an actual friend. Kind of a shitty thing to do. I love Kip it. Keller got. <laughs> uh, I think, as a former player, I think that's such a shitty thing to do. But more power to him. And then Kip Keller gets sent in an absolute spin cycle for the last goal by. Joe Klaus. So if I'm Austin, I'm worried about Kip Keller. Oh, he's going to have to start next week with Julio Cascante out. And with that type of performance, he could potentially take a big step back from a pretty standout season last year. Yeah, that's a great point, especially with uh, them having CCL midweek next week. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do at the weekend. Yeah, and now we, you know, move over to another Texas team, Dallas against Minnesota, and this game, honestly, was quite a snooze fest. Uh, you know, Dallas with Jesus Ferreira, Paxton Pomkel, uh, Alan Velasco, you expect more out of them, and yet they didn't. They, you know didn't create much. Neither team did. The expected goals were like 0.9 for Dallas to 0.8 for Minnesota. Dallas only managed one shot on goal. So overall, pretty kind of a snooze fest. Uh, despite the 1-0 scoreline, Minnesota comes away feeling good about this game. You know, they managed that one goal right away at the start of the second half and arguably should have had another one and Dallas should have been down 10 men at some point. But you know, this is a Minnesota team that is without their star player, their star number 10 DP and Emmanuel Reynoso. And yet they managed to go to Dallas, a knowingly harsh place to play away and still come out of there with three points. Yeah, you know, I mean, on top of Dallas being a harsh place to play, they had to look at those awful flame jerseys during the game, too. So, you know, makes it even more impressive win in my book. (laughs) Those are just absolutely awful. They really are the worst. But, you know, I, I think Minnesota comes away from this game saying, you know, maybe in the summer winter or summer window, we'll go ahead and we bring in a number 10, we can really pull everything together or, you know, maybe they sort everything out right now. So who knows? Um, 
but Dallas is is a team that I kind of had pegged for for a top top four perform finish. You know, same as Minnesota. So uh, I'll be interested to see how they rebound because I think they have the talent to move forward with uh, you know Jesus Ferreira and uh, a healthy Paxton Pomichol could make a difference this season. So we'll see what what happens after uh, after that game. But moving on to uh, Vancouver versus Real Salt Lake, um, you know, another game that, you know, was actually pretty good um, watching wise. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect many. I didn't have high expectations for this game um, just because I think both teams are kind of going through their own struggles right now in their own rebuilds with Real Salt Lake having lost their number nine in the off season and Vancouver really not making a lot of moves um, to change up their team a whole lot. They made some additions, but you know, Vancouver opened the scoring with a 24th minute uh, corner delivered by Julian Gressel to Jevian Brown. Um, so he put them ahead. Uh, Justin glad makes it one, one uh, with a sliding kick from a set piece in the 70th minute, uh, really nice goal can from the center back there um and then real salt lake put puts the game away in the 72nd minute with a goal from uh Perlock. real nice goal he puts them ahead and, and really seals the, the game um the scoreline i think is a little flattering to vancouver uh they just signed this new goalkeeper uh to takayoka from uh japan from the j league and when I tell you, like, he probably had, you know, and I, I say this as a huge Drake Calendar fan and think that he was the goalkeeper of the week, but I think Takeoko probably had the best performance. He had a ton of saves in this game um, at, at key moments and really kept them in the game. And, and the two goals that went in, um, you know, you can't fault him too much for because they were pretty tough challenges. But also the guy was probably tired from carrying that that defense because Vancouver's defense looked terrible. So if I'm either, you know, if I'm either one of these teams, I probably don't come out feeling super great uh, because Real Salt Lake, had they come out of this game, you know, three or four goals in the back of the net, uh, which they should have because they had plenty of great opportunities. I think they'd be feeling better about themselves. So It'll be interesting to see if Real Salt Lake can convert further into the season and really see what Vancouver is going to be because right now they kind of look like wooden spoon contenders in the West. Yeah, I mean, Real Salt Lake is one of those teams that every year they seem to enter the playoffs as a sixth or seventh seed and yet still manage to turn some heads in the playoffs. I very much think that's them again this year. I think they're a team that's going to take some time to really mesh and do much, while Vancouver just c continues to have problems. You know, they really haven't figured it out since the Alfonso Davies era, and it looks like 2023 won't be kind to them either. So well, they very much could be in the wooden spoon conversation after this week. Yeah, agreed. But moving on to the final match of week one of MLS. Uh, you have to remember LAFC against, uh, actually the second final match. We're missing one on our notes. 
Yeah, I've got them covered. <laughs> All right. uh, LAFC against LA Galaxy at the Rose Bowl was moved due to the flooding and winter weather in California right now. But the last match of the weekend, Seattle Sounders against Colorado. Colorado, a team that made some noise this winter. They you know, went out, they approached the MLS trade market, added a couple of pieces, brought in a couple of pieces internationally too, only to get absolutely curb-stomped. And this Seattle team looks like the 2021 Seattle team that eventually in 2022 won the CONCACAF Champions League. And they just came out and absolutely dominated. Oh, a brace from Jordan Morris, a goal from Christian Rodon, and a goal from new addition Heber. Uh, you know, just sees them come out and absolutely hand it to this Colorado side that looked poor and never really looked in this match. So Seattle looking dangerous again. Colorado. Not so much. Colorado looking like if they keep this up and they don't really work with those new pieces they added, they very much look like they could also be in the wooden spoon conversation. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I had Colorado pegged as, as a playoff team, and I, I still think they can make that. Um, you know, this is probably the first first window we've ever really seen them spend money and, and make key additions. So I'm thinking they probably just need some more time to gel because at times they looked, you know, their positioning was off in some key positions, like the guys didn't know where to be. And I think Seattle really exploited that. But, you know, I, I think the league is so much better when Seattle is, is competitive. And, you know, Seattle missed the playoffs last year for the first time ever, and they didn't miss it because they were a bad team. They missed it because they put everything into being the first MLS team to win CCL. So, you know, I'm so glad to see them back, and I hope that this year, just for the sake of competition in MLS, that they focus on MLS. I don't think they had the pressure to win CCL, and so I'm really excited to see what happens the rest of the season for them. But uh, moving on to our last matchup of the the week, Portland versus uh, SKC, which was moved to Monday night uh, due to all the weather that was happening out uh, out west. Crazy stuff, man. But, uh, you know, this game ended in a, uh, a 1-0 Portland win with a six You know, the goal was scored in the sixth minute, so you don't have to watch most of the game to really, really get the gist of what happened. Uh, Mascarera scored the the winner in the sixth minute, and and Portland kind of got defensive and held on to everything at that point. Um, you know, Kansas City held on to the ball for the majority of the time. They had fifty seven percent possession for the game. Uh, they led the way in shots, twelve to seven. You know, SKC looked the better team, and they really they really pushed to try and get an equalizer and even score the winning goal but they just didn't make it happen. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, as we talked about in our preview show, I just don't know that SKC has the the finishing power to really make a lot of noise. And so, you know, maybe if they're more clinical going forward, they might be okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Alan Polito. I think 
he's going to come around eventually. I think he had a good first season and probably dropped off a little bit last season. But, you know, I think he can come good and, and really help that team. Um, but Portland, um, you know, Portland, I was a little disappointed in them. I thought I was hoping they would come out better, right? Because you really want the Pacific Northwest teams to be good in MLS, you know, and Vancouver is not going to be good. We know that, um, you know, Portland and, and Seattle both missing the playoffs last year. You don't know what's going to happen there. Seattle came out of the gun with guns blazing and, and Portland, they did enough to win. So they might be the scrappy team. I think um, they had moments where they looked really good and, you know, they had seven shots. So it, and four of those were on goal. So it's not like they were, you know, sitting on their laurels or anything. I think they'll, they'll be okay this year. And Portland very much annoyed me during this match. You go out and you add a $10 million number 10 with Champions League experience where he actually performed. And then you play a style of football where you don't use your number 10. Uh, Portland was just pinging balls over the top and using their pace to get onto the end of them and then play crosses in. At that point, what's the point of spending $10 million on? very very high quality number 10 and this Portland team showed their frustration with that system multiple times in that match and I think Portland can be a very good team this year they need to change how they play uh, I believe his name is Gio yeah Gio Saverse he, he loves this over the top counter attacking system you can't play that with number 10 of Evander's quality. They need to use him. They need to utilize him. And in this match, they outright did not. They bypassed him all the time. So if Portland wants to be a good team, and I really hope they are Portland, best city in the U.S., awesome fan base, they need to utilize Evander, and they didn't in this match. Yeah, I... uh. You know, I kind of attributed that to a little bit of the, the holdover from last season. I think, you know, losing Diego Valeri, um, who was their number 10 for so long, I think they had to adapt to not really playing with the number 10 because they didn't replace him right away. And now I think they're probably going to take some time to learn how to play with Evander. And if they don't, like, whoever does adjust their system to a number 10 like that shouldn't be coaching in the league, in my opinion. I mean... You know, I would kill for a number 10 like that right now. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, all in all, I think it was a it was a great, great week of MLS to open up the season. Um, I do. I will say that I hope somebody at Apple maybe is taking notes for next season and maybe we could get some Monday night soccer. I, I, I actually enjoyed having soccer that at that time. It was nice. And but, oh, interesting to note, not a single game ended in a draw this week. Every single match saw a winner, and no Columbus teams, no Canadian teams, and no California teams managed to win this week. Well, the California thing, 
I don't think you can really count that because two of them didn't even get to play. Hey, Branton, you want to know something? <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> All right, so we'll we'll keep it. We'll go with it. No California teams won. Suck it, California. Damn right. <laughs> worst state in this union. Ooh, there's a lot of them I wish we could get rid of. <laughs> but we won't go into that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, um, so Trav, what, what are some of your standout performances, you know? From from this week, what did you see that you really really stuck out to you and you really uh, really loved? Uh, I'm going to start at home. Drake Callender for Inter Miami absolutely kind of stood on his head multiple times for Miami and made some very good saves that show why he was a goalie of the year finalist last year, and is right back to that form. Otherwise, oh. Credit to you know DC. They're kind of my standout team of the week for managing to come back against a well, difficult match. A match where you know yes, they're starting a 16-year-old at center back, and they finally got production from Christian Benteke and Theodore Kudipietro at the death to win that match for them. So a lot of credit for DC. They're kind of my standout team of the week. Yeah, those are those are great picks, you know. I mean, you know, what what really stood out to me is um you know Amada carrying Atlanta United to that win. I, I just those two goals, I just I don't know, man. It it, it would just it was something special and, and I really, you know, you said it. I don't know how anybody's going to beat that for, for goal of the year. And if they do, I can't wait to see it because those two goals and that performance in itself was just amazing because that's the definition of carrying a team right there is two goals leading to a win. And and I could talk Drake calendar all day. I think he, I, I think he had the best performance goalkeeping wise of, of any of them. You know, there was a couple in, in you know, it's nice to see. I would say that there's probably three or four goalies who could be in the conversation for goalie of the of the week because they had great performances. You know, Vancouver's goalie, one of them, and and Galisi made this incredible save in the 82nd or 86th minute uh, to deny Red Bulls the equalizer, and he he like he spread out and made himself big, and he stopped the ball with his face. And, and, you know, anybody who, who follows Inter-Miami pod, podcast and the Inter-Miami pod squad knows our very own Trav loves to stop balls with his face. You know, man, very uh, well very broke his do. nose. <laughs> yeah, I very much like balls to the face. And uh, I will say that if anybody takes this uh, recording out of context, uh, you will be hearing from my lawyers. Yeah. I have photographic proof that he takes point blank. This guy like geared up. This guy was semi pro and took a, took a shot, right? A trap right in the nose. Blood on the Jersey was incredible. At least maybe that's where Galisi learned it. (laughs) Uh, 
hey, it finally gave me a reason to get that note job I always needed. So our <laughs> credit to that guy. Yeah, but, um, you know, who, I mean, to you, I, I'm going to guess your, your player of the week is probably Drake, huh? Player of the week? Uh, as much as I want to give it to Drake, because, you know, goalie who loves goalies is basically my whole theme. It's got to be Tiago Almada for me. It's kind of undeniable to score two goals in stoppage time to win it for your team. And I'll show why he's going to be MLS's most expensive outbound transfer of all time. Probably this summer. Absolutely fantastic player of the week without a doubt. That's a great pick. Um, you know, going outside of that, uh, my player of the week and in, it stings a little to say this, uh, is Julian Carranza. Guy had a brace against uh, Columbus, and if you take the two penalties out of the out of the mix, like he won them the game. And, you know, one of the goals, I forget who passed him and who made the assist. The assist is what made the goal, but, you know, he had to put it in the back of the neck. Yeah, that's what it was. That was a nice goal. And, and he put it in the back of the net, and, you know, I'm happy for him. Um, you know, I think Higuain really stopped his development here because we were playing a system that didn't cater to him. And, you know, I'm glad he's getting his shot. You know, we obviously saw some talent there and it's coming to fruition. Uh, but, you know, that that would be my player of the week for, for week one. Um, you know, I, I'm very much hoping that nobody who wears the same jersey as him is my player of the week next week. Um, because I hope we beat Union, but we'll see. <laughs> well, and for goal of the week, well, let's be honest, which Almada goal are you choosing, one or two? I'll choose the first one. That banger off the crossbar was, oof. I gotta go the free kick to win it. I mean, absolutely curled to perfection around a wall of Atlanta players and into the upper 90, and the 90th plus 8th minute, literal last play of the game, that, that's an easy goal of the week. Oh, and possibly goal yeah. of the season. Yeah, I, like, like you said, man, I don't think if somebody tops those two goals, I, I can't wait to see it. It'll just be a thing of beauty because those were awesome. What do you think about uh, saves of the week? Uh. Those are going to go to Drake Callender late in the match against Montreal. Drake came out, made himself big, and uh, really showed that he is a, a potential contender again for MLS Goalie of the Year. And really put on a fantastic showing with some great saves. Uh, honorable mention goes to Pedro Glesse, but he's not allowed to win anything in my books. Uh, you know, and... I'm only convinced he had that good of a performance against uh, the Red Bulls because he did a little spice by before the match. <laughs> so, uh, you know, keeping on theme, I, I don't want Pedro Galese to win anything either. So I'm going to go uh, with Vancouver's goalkeeper, Takeoko. Uh, you know, if, if you want to see, you know, acrobatic saves and, and, you know, just 
really like a goalkeeper who's putting his body on the line to to keep a team in a game. I mean, I think I think he's he made probably three or four saves that I think were just really awesome. So, you know, that would be the only thing I would say to uh to encourage you to watch that game because otherwise it was pretty rough to watch, but watch the highlights and look at the way the guy saved um saved that team and kept them in the game. But other than that, yeah, Galese, in my opinion, he probably won Orlando that game because the rest of the team was pretty pretty mediocre at best. And uh, what about assist of the week? Uh, Joaquin Torres, Julian Carranza, hitting the spin cycle twice and then making the ball to Carranza just... Oh my, Columbus, you want our race? If there's anything from that match... You know, you won our race, not just the four goals straight you allowed after going up one nothing. It, it is that play. Joaquin Torres showing both you know, Columbus, he will be something in their nightmares for a little while. And for Montreal, he was deemed expendable. He was a player that they said, we don't need a guy like this. And we saw Montreal's match against Miami that they need a guy like that. And he yeah. really showed it against Columbus. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I think that assist was right up there as one of the best ones. Uh, you know, not to to use the same assist. Uh Henny Mukhtar's assist to set up Scheffenberg for uh for their goal was just it, it was beautiful. I mean You've got a crossover. He beats three defenders, and then he does a no-look side pass right to Schaufelberg to put him to set him up for the goal. I mean, you know, he could have passed it to me, and I would have scored at that point because he had the defense so shook. I, I really, ooh, it was a good one. So you know, it, it's not going to get the love it deserves this week because of um, you know the the Philly Carranza goal, but. You know, check it out. It was a good one. What um this week? What what surprised you? What was something that that stood out as like, whoa, what the what the hell just happened? I would probably say the, the St. Louis Austin match is kind of too obvious. It's kind of too obvious. So I would say probably the Atlanta San Jose match. I don't have Atlanta as a playoff team. I think they've lost too much. They're going to lose Tiago Amada in the summer. Uh, but I didn't think that they were going to be as bad as they were for the first oh, 85 minutes of that match. Oh, If they didn't play nearly 10 minutes of extra time, Atlanta loses that match. So... That really stands out to me. I thought that they weren't going to be good. I didn't see them being that not good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that was just, it was brutal to watch most of that game. I mean, you know, we've gone from seeing how great Atlanta United can be to to what's left. And, you know, I think Gareth Loggerway hopefully can can turn things around for them. But, you know, my biggest surprise was DC United. Um, I was very down on them, and I didn't think that they would have any firepower. And, you know, I thought Christian Benteke, I didn't 
you know, and he still might prove prove me right, but I don't think he's um, you know, a world class number nine or anything. I don't think he's anything special. But, you know, them beating Toronto is the is an upset I didn't see coming. Um you know, I didn't expect DC to be the type of team to get no shootout and win. So we'll see what happens for the rest of their season and, and you know, Toronto with their Italians, hopefully they turn things around for their sake. Um, I'm not sold on Toronto. I have them towards the bottom of the East in my predictions, but, um, you know, DC United, good for them. Start the season out with a win and we'll see what, what the rest of the season, on, on, you know, what the rest of the season has in store for them. Um, you know, just giving a quick rundown of the East and West standings. Um, you know, um, I'll jump through the East real quick and, you know, Trav, you can do the West is, you know, number one right now is Philly followed by number two, Miami, which, uh, hopefully after this weekend moves up a spot into number one, I would also like to point out MLS.com real great job on your power rankings to not have Miami in the top 10 way to make it obvious that you don't have a vendetta. (laughs) Number three, Nashville, number four, DC, number five, Cincinnati, six, Atlanta, seven, new England, eight, Orlando, nine, Chicago. And so those would be the teams making the playoffs this year. Outside of the playoff line is Toronto, at 10, Charlotte at 11, Red Bulls at 12, Montreal at 13, uh, NYCFC at 14, and Columbus at 15. You know, only week one, but we'll keep you guys updated on standings as they come through. Austin, Houston, Austin 8, Houston 9, San Jose 10, Vancouver 11, Dallas 12, Sporting KC 13, Colorado 14. So, you know, only week one, but you know, is the West weaker this year? I, I feel like every year we have this discussion at the end of the year where you know, the West is the weaker conference, and week one they showed that overall they're as good as the East. Yeah. And, and, you know, I kind of have the feeling that that's going to be the theme of the season because, especially because the biggest summer window spender is uh, on the sanctions train this year with LA galaxy, not being able to buy any international players over the summer. So we'll see. Uh, Hopefully that trend continues because I, I want us to come out, I predict Inter Miami is going to be top four of the East, and uh, if the East is a strong, strong division this year, then that just makes us look better. So I love it. <laughs> um, you know what? You know, looking ahead to week two, are there any uh, you know matchups that that really have you like? Hey, I'm going to try and watch this outside of uh, you know 
the obvious inner Miami and Philly game that we will be both be watching live. <laughs> I will say it, it's a difficult week to pick up any matches. If you are going to a match, this is one of those weeks with the new Apple TV deal where every single game is Saturday night. So uh, for us who are going to be at the inner Miami match, there's, one, two, three, four, five other games at 7.30 that we won't be able to watch a single second of. And not to mention the 4.30 Portland against LAFC game or the 4, 8.30 p.m. games that we won't be able to watch much of either. But oh, I'm going to try and get home, and depending on when the Inter-Miami match ends, uh, I want to catch at least a piece of that St. Louis against Charlotte match. I think that stadium is going to be absolutely rocking. And if St. Louis can go ahead and get another three points at home to start out the season, it, it, they're going to blow the roof off that place. Yeah, that, you know, that's going to be a great match. But, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying about Apple TV, I, I agree. I, I'm not, I love that I can go back and rewatch the games and, and that's what I, I spent my spent my Sunday this week and part of my Monday doing is rewatching a lot of these games. But you know, it does suck that that you know fans that are going to these games are a little bit penalized. Uh, so maybe maybe Apple put some games on uh, Friday and Monday, spreads things out. That might be all right with me. But you know, some of the games that I'm looking forward to is I'm. Curious about the LAFC and the Portland game. Um, you know, I'll probably try and watch some of that before I head out to Drive Pink for the game because, you know, we didn't get to see LAFC last week because of, uh, you know, the cancellation. So it's it'll be interesting to see how they play. And, um, you know, we kind of touched on Portland and, and their troubles and their style of play. So I'm kind of hoping that they... Um, you know, take a step forward and try and figure out how to play with their new number 10 and, and try and and find their identity. So I think it'll be a good barometer to see how each team is going to be this season. Um, you know, and outside of that, the only other game that really catches my eye outside of the St. Louis and, and Charlotte game, because, you know, St. Louis opening that stadium is going to be awesome is, is the Red Bull and Nashville game. I think uh, Red Bull's they can just convert some of their chances. I think they have a shot to beat Nashville um, and, and Nashville have a chance in this game to really show whether they're going to be the top of the East after coming back from the West or if, if they're just going to be mid table. So both good matchups in my opinion and games I'll try and I'll definitely watch all the way through, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if there's one other game other than the St. Louis game that I would watch if I could, it's going to be... I'd probably go Atlanta against Toronto. I want to see if Atlanta can put out a better performance, and what does Toronto look like without Lorenzo Insigne, who left injured against D.C., and can they shore up their defense against... Not even a good Atlanta attacking side against Tiago Almada. Or does he go out and maybe decide to show up 
a little bit earlier and win that match more comfortably for Atlanta. Yeah, that's a good pick. That's a real good pick. Um, you know, I think I think Toronto is one of the teams, you know, that's going to be playing some CCL this year. So, you know, kind of segueing into that. Uh, CCL starts March 7th and March 9th for match day ones for uh, for MLS teams. Um, are there any matchups, you know, MLS wise that you're you're looking forward to checking out this this year? No worries. I can jump in here. You know, I'm really looking forward to the uh, Philly Alliance Alliance, uh, matchup. You know, I think Philly, I think this weekend, um, maybe rest some of their starters for that game because I think they're playing Tuesday night in El Salvador. I think that playing down here in South Florida is probably a good pregame for them. I think they get some use to the humidity, use to the temperature, and and you know if I were them, I don't know what their plans are. I would hope that they're, uh, for the sake of MLS, staying down here and maybe training down here for the week before they head down to El Salvador to play. Um, you know, in Orlando versus Tigres, um, I think that's going to be a good matchup because I think Orlando is going to get waxed, and I am here to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm looking out for that Orlando against Tigres match just because Orlando's early in the season and not looking great in league play, and Tigres is a team with talent. They're one of Liga MX's better sides, so I really think they're going to hand it to Orlando early in that competition. And then I'm looking at uh, Vancouver against Real España just because Vancouver, not so impressive in the league also. And Real Espana, while not one of Liga MX's better sides, even though they do currently sit fourth in Liga MX, and as we speak, are about to win 2-1. to one. Um, I think that'll be a very interesting match and a chance for Vancouver to kind of put themselves back on the right track heading into league play in the middle of a busy week. Yeah, no, that'll be a good game to check out, too. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned that one because I definitely misspoke and said Toronto was playing CCL. I completely forgot that Vancouver is the one who won the Canadian Championship this year. Um, so hats off to them. And, you know, I'll probably try and watch as many of these games as I can because, you know, after last year, it was so exciting to see an MLS team represent CONCACAF in the, the um, Club World Cup. So, you know, maybe Lightning will strike twice and then we'll be able to have another team in there. I think, you know, Philly might be our best shot, um, you know, so far. Their opening matchup, I think, is winnable, but we'll see. But, uh, you know, that's that's all we've got for you this week. Trav, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you every week? And if you haven't tuned into Trav Chats, I mean... You got to tell them what that's all about. Oh, well, thank you, Bran, for having me on. Uh, all my wishes go out to Cali and, you know, hope that whatever's going on with him, uh, he's back soon, back on away days. Uh, arguably one of the best Inter-Miami you know, pods there is right now, just because 
you guys don't talk about Inter Miami that much. It's nice <laughs> to hear more about what's going on around the league. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at IMCF Traveler. Every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m., we record Trav Chats Live. Trav Chats is the kind of one-of-its-kind uh, Inter-Miami podcast where you, the viewer, get the chance to join the podcast at any point. Do you think I say something stupid? Do you think my co-host says something stupid? You can jump on and tell us or share your thoughts, whatever you want to do. Uh, so we record every Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. on the at IMCF traveler page on twitter and please feel free to jump on and you know this season we've been recording all our pods and releasing them on the inner miami podcast socials on their apple spotify whatever you use to get your podcast so you know this year this is as a fan really a great way to get on and have your thoughts heard yeah, and like I said, if you guys haven't checked out Trav Chats yet, I mean, you guys, you guys got to get on that. Um, it's a, it's a real fun conversation. You can say what you, what you're feeling, what you want. You know, it's a good place to vent some frustrations or, or talk, talk about some positive things. Um, you know, I know myself. I was in last week. I tried to join. Uh, Callie's normally a regular on there. If you want to talk with us, we're there. Um, you know, Jay pops in every now and then from the inner Miami podcast and, you know, our great community in the discord is, is always very supportive. And, you know, Trav and his co-host, uh, George do a great job. Um, and so check it out, please. You know, um, talking about other, other things to check out. Um, I was really fortunate to join, uh, a Philadelphia podcast, uh, this week I, I joined the, um, the major league slander podcast for their second episode. It was me, uh, Mike from the Greenlock gang and, uh, our very own pistol grip poet, uh, Johnny joined the conversation and we were able to have a really awesome conversation with them, um, that they're going to be releasing on their podcast. I believe they release on Fridays and it was a fun back and forth. We talked a little bit of shit, um, you know, uh, but really had a great conversation, not only about inner Miami, but just about football in general. We talked a little to us men's national team. So, um, again, that pod drops on Friday. So check it out. If you're interested, I, I, they're Philly based podcasts, so they try and talk shit with the, uh, the upcoming opponents, but, you know, I encourage you guys to subscribe. It was a great time talking to them, but, you know, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week to go ahead and recap match day two and get you guys all caught up on the action that happened there um, and prepare you guys for our matchup against Toronto. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter. We're at Away Days IMPC. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Away Days IMPC. And, you know, thank you guys for listening. Mm-hmm.